You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. I'm Rachel. <laughs> I passed out for a second. Sorry. <laughs> we have a wild card episode today, and we are welcoming another Lutheran lady into the Ladies Lounge, which I'm super duper excited about. You may have seen her book if you follow any of the CPH social media or, I don't know, check their website frequently for new books. Maybe you're one of those people. We have Lindsay Hausch today in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Uh, Her new book is Take Heart, God's Comfort for Anxious Thoughts. Lindsay is an author, obviously, a wife, a mom, a pastor's wife, a fellow Lutheran lady. We are so happy to have you joining us today in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge, Lindsay. I am in the lounge. Thank you. (laughs) Official member. (laughs) It's still Mental Health Month. It's still May, uh, I believe. And so we've had a, one conversation about mental health. Uh, Brie had a wild card episode. Uh, if you've heard that, we'll try to link that in the show notes, probably, uh, about stewardship of the mind and the emotions. That was a great conversation. Today, we're going in a little different direction, specifically talking about anxiety, anxious thoughts. I'm sure this is something that many of us have probably been dealing with for the last year and a half, if not for many, many, many years before that. Maybe the last year and a half just made you realize how much anxiety is part 35 of years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Lindsay, your book is about comfort for anxious thoughts, and we'll get to anxiety uh, and the, those things in a minute. Uh, but I want to give you a chance to tell your story, who you are, uh, what you love uh, about your family, anything you want us to know about yourself. Sure. Well, I have a cup of coffee right beside me because I can't yes. function without it. So let's just go there. Same. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I have a eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and an 18-month-old. And I feel like sketching that out gives you a picture of my, my normal every day. Um, And as you mentioned, right, normal, what's normal. (laughs) And as you mentioned, I am a pastor's wife, which is also, you know, a part of who I am and and what happens on a daily basis. And so I kind of started actually doing freelance copy uh, for beauty uh, brands. So that's how I kind of got into writing, right? And when I became a stay-at-home mom, I had an identity crisis and needed to find a creative outlet, kind of some purpose. And so I started a blog called A Christian Mom Blog. Super creative, guys. Mm. (laughs) Love it. And in that blog, I started delving into topics of motherhood. And then I started sharing and opening up more about uh, my struggles with anxiety and postpartum and prenatal depression. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've grown up with social anxiety. And OCD, those are my my badges, I suppose. And I just share about that. And it's it's a disclaimer. So, well, first, it it began a ministry, right, of writing this book and sharing about it uh, with other women and people in the church and outside the church. And the disclaimer is that I have always wanted to go back to school and get a master's in psychology or social work. And yet I feel God leading me not to do that because he wants me to connect from the place of being a friend, maybe a mentor, rather than a professional. So that's me. Well, I'm going to follow up that question with a question. Tell us about the book. Obviously, we know sort of why you wrote it and how you came to write it, but what's in it and uh, who's it for and what do you hope they'll get out of it? 
Sure. Yeah. So the, the question that I came to ask was, what if our anxious thoughts can be the place uh, where we draw closest to God? Um, so kind of a flip side, the upside down kingdom idea is that when we are anxious, when we are struggling, that's where we can draw closest to God, uh, in his word, um, through other Christians and community and prayer. Um, and I actually go through what it looks like to have a balanced life, uh, living that out through like up with God in with our community and out as we reach out to the world. Yeah, I mean, the I think that's a wonderful way to approach the subject. Um, thinking about the Psalms and in particular, which I'm sure you get into in the book. You know, I cried out to the Lord in my distress. That our times of distress are times when we are uniquely open and vulnerable to faith. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that it's it's important, Rachel, that you bring up the Psalms because you know I think especially when we talk about these conditions of, of anxiety or even like obsessive compulsive disorder, um, things that we get caught up in. It's almost a comfort sometimes to, to be able to read the Psalms of, of King David, of God's chosen King, mm -hmm. like struggling with that kind of, of stuff on a almost constant basis. But knowing that, that, like David, when we are in those spaces, we can turn to God in in our in our distress and ask for his deliverance from that. Yeah. Throughout the Bible, we see instances of people, you know, using not using their anxiety, but but seeing that their anxiety turns them to God. Yep. I, I've been enjoying the book of Jeremiah recently in my mm. <laughs> in my devotion. Jeremiah. Mm. And <laughs> It's so interesting that when everything's going fine and dandy and everyone's great, then God gives Jeremiah the message of, well, um, you all are, have not repented and ergo, here comes the smiting. But in the middle of the siege of Jerusalem, <laughs> then you have these messages of hope. I mean, they're surrounded by armies and, and God says to Jeremiah, go buy a field. It'll be good. Because I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to save you. When you are at the end of your rope, when the siege wall, when half of Jerusalem has been torn down to make siege walls, then God gives you your hope. And you know that it comes from no other place mm. but him. Mm. Uh, and that that is, a, that is a good place to be. It's a very painful place to be. Like, I would have been very frustrated to be Jeremiah or be listening to Jeremiah at any time during this and saying, oh, but I just want peace, just want peace and happiness and prosperity and all of that now. Right. <laughs> but it poses the question, you know, where does my peace come from? Right? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Brie, I do love um, the internal monologue that we get to read of, of David. I mean, he oh, yeah. just puts it all out there. And uh, it's so comforting to see that, that uh, you know, in social media culture, we tailor our our messages to just show the good a lot, or we do like this mm -hmm. false authenticity. I, you know, I don't know if you guys know what I mean by that. Where <laughs> I I'm, have I'm no idea what truth. you're talking about right now. <laughs> I'm gonna let it all hang out. <laughs> 
but yeah, but, um, but we still tailor it to what, what feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and yet David is like, he's agonizing throughout the Psalms and, and yet he still anchors himself to the, the truth and peace of God, which is awesome. If I had been David's PR rep, I would have been constantly <laughs> pumping the brakes and saying, yo, David, yeah. are we sure this is the image we want to project to your people? You're coming across as a little bit weak and whiny here. Mm. Maybe we should massage this messaging just a little bit so that we can project some more strength, vitality. You're, you're a popular guy. Let's keep it going here. But no, you're right. David just puts it all out there. And as a result, we have a Bible that speaks to the entire human condition and Mm. not just the pretty curated parts. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. And Paul, I mean, he comes to us in weakness and trembling. I mean, Paul, (laughs) dude. (laughs) Yeah. If anyone has reason to boast, it's me because I'm like the super Jew and the super Christian. And yet I'm a total hot mess. You guys (laughs) only Jesus is what I claim as my as my good stuff. Thank yeah. God for that. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna take us back to something that you said, <laughs> I said earlier. <laughs> Talking about the transition to being a stay-at-home mom, I know we have a lot of listeners who are stay-at-home moms um, and have gone through that transition. Can you talk a little bit about how you went through that transition and what was helpful for you in in kind of having to navigate this new identity of of being a stay-at-home mom? Yes. So I think first, like embracing the hot mess, you know, embracing like I am having an identity crisis. It's okay. You know, I don't have to project to everybody that I have it all figured out. Right. And, um, and in that place, you know, the other thing is I was really struggling with anxious thoughts. I went off of, you know, I I take medication for my anxiety and I went off of it for my first pregnancy and I was, very anxious and really struggling Mm. at the same time transitioning with becoming a stay at home mom. And one of I researched, you know, how do I help with my anxiety? And one of the things that I read again and again was creativity. So Mm. that was the practice that I started was was beginning to write and do creative things when I was feeling most anxious. And it also, you know, was the Holy Spirit guiding me to not only helping me with my anxious thoughts, but also figuring out who I was outside of motherhood, outside of being a pastor's wife and and no longer doing my career. And I think that every woman needs her own room, you know, her own space, whatever it is, it could be super small, it could be gardening, or it could be super big, like creating your own amazing outfits and sharing them on Instagram. I'm not trolling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit more about identity, because that is something, you know, I went recently from, well, relatively a couple of years ago, went from being someone whose LinkedIn, LinkedIn profile summary sounded pretty impressive to -hmm. someone whose LinkedIn profile did not sound very impressive. (laughs) As I, you know, more fully embraced my role as a wife and as a mother, but I really struggled with that because, and and so I understand what you went through that I found myself tempted at first. And in fact, if you look at my social media profiles, you'll still see that, that my, I would lead with freelance editor and writer 
not with the thing that I actually spent most of my time doing, which is momming. (laughs) (laughs) That I really struggled to embrace that as a vocation, as a career, and would instead focus on the things that, let's see, according to a a career-driven world, sounded cooler and more productive. How did you navigate that coming public with your identity as a career mom? And you've got all these other cool things too, but this is the main one. With my identity as a career mom. So I, I, I would say that I have the same tension because it says author, author. But, but you know, so yeah, I wrote a book. I wrote the book while I was nursing most of the time, or you know, chasing. <laughs> and um, thank God I wrote it before my son became a toddler, because there's just oh. no way, no way, <laughs> it wouldn't be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, I think that we live in that tension, and I think embracing. Uh, living in a question, living in a tension, and there's always that gray, and it doesn't have to be black and white. You know, Christ is is our anchor; He is our our truth, and and yet this world is super messy and nuanced. I I did come to mind, Rachel, while you were talking, though, is and this is I have to mention the the COVID bomb word, but this was something <laughs> that um, you know I joined a mom's club when mm-hmm. I was started to become a mom, a stay-at-home mom. And I met so many amazing moms through that, that that was their, their main way that they spent their time. And yet I loved asking them, you know, what was your career before kids? One of them was a private investigator. Wow. Right? So, I mean, it's so cool that moms have superpowers and we like can pull them out from our belt and it doesn't have to be all of our identity. Right? Right. And it's not a permanent. I mean, all of our identities, all of our identities, except for child of God, saved by Christ. Amen. Those are all temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, that everything. I, there was a time when my profile would have said student. Time when it would have said copywriter. And everything else changes with regard to our callings, except Jesus. Right. And that's a. I guess that's a good thing to remind myself of all the time. I'm and not what would Paul and Peter have on their social media account? Like for their <laughs> role. <laughs> Dude. <Nice>. Rando. <laughs> we use those identities um, and especially, you know, rooted in in our identity as baptized children of God, first and foremost. But then we use all of these different relationships and identities, vocations to kind of build that community though. Mm -hmm. So we have this, and I love this part in the book, uh, talking about how we connect to each other and using our connections and our relationships as a way to to comfort each other in Mm -hmm. whatever we're going through because we're called to walk alongside each other in all of those relationships that we have. Absolutely. Well, and I think that you you hit the nail on the head in that so often we connect over our accomplishments or, mm. you know, what car am I driving? And, um, and yet in the Christian life, we are called to embrace our weakness, embrace and, and, and show our vulnerabilities and connect in those places through the blood of Jesus. So I think that that, that is a, a little bit of the shift that I encourage, and I, I see you guys encouraging it all the time on your podcast. I mean, <laughs> right? It's just is being honest, being real about the everyday life 
and that's where uh, we can meet each other. Let each other see our messy living rooms, right? I'm the so messy bookcase that. that's right behind me <laughs> in our Facebook chat video. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm wondering about something as we're talking about this. Full disclosure, I have not read your book in its entirety yet, Lindsay. But as we're talking about this, and I did read chapter eight at the behest of Sarah. So I do intend to, I love it. I do intend to finish it, but I'm just wondering like between what we're talking about today and then that specific chapter, like how much of our, how much of our day to day, how much of our identity and therefore how much of our anxiety really is influenced by the world or what the world standards are. So like Rachel, kind of like what, what you're saying in this, in this career driven world in this career driven society how am i going to market market myself mm-hmm. on on a social media platform to tell others who i really am how am i going to craft that in such a way that i'm going to be acceptable in the eyes of this career driven society right mm-hmm. now for someone like me who doesn't have kids yet i'm not sure what that plan looks like to be completely frank with you on that like how do I how do I market myself as a wife without kids who has a career to be acceptable within other groups? And so it like I don't know, my mind is just thinking about could we could we cure the world of its anxiety if we just stopped caring about what each other did and and planned and was and if we just embraced each other as like baptized children of God full stop like what would that look like? Mm. Oh, you mean like a world without sin? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I like that. God has a plan for that. Yeah. <laughs> or a world without external pressures or expectations. Yeah. I think a lot of this, as we're talking and as, as I've read, like, a lot of the pressure, a lot of the anxiety, I feel like, yeah, it's of course it's internal. It's expressed internally. But how much of it is influenced by the expectations or the norms of the other? Yeah. 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 So much of my anxiety, like you can say, well, I don't, I don't internalize the world's anxieties. I just live my life and do what I like. But you know what? I always pick up my dog poop. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good thing to do. I always keep my front porch tidied. I always, you know, it's like this long list of societal expectations Mm -hmm. for me. I don't usually go out with my hair in a super messy uh, bun with like 1992 era alligator clips in it. (laughs) Bring it back. Bring it back, girl. Mullets are coming back. Why not alligator clips? I suppose. But, you know, there's all sorts of like, well, I realize that society expects this of me and so i'm gonna do that and it requires a little bit of bending on my part you know even if it's just taking my hair down out of those clips and that that times a million over the course of a day can create a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. well i'm the one with social anxiety so i could (laughs) and i'm sure all of us we were talking you know about just re-entering the world um as an introvert who is like, okay, how do I, how do I communicate and, you know, talk to people? How do we go mm-hmm. back to that? 
I mean, if we were to look at the word, I would say, I, I just think of David and um, Saul and how Saul tries to give David his armor when he goes to face Goliath and mm. he tries it on and says, nope, I can't go in these. And he, you know, uses his stones. And I think that is a cool image of how God wants to use us when we peel back all of these layers of pretension and who we want to present ourselves as. That's where, you know, God says, yep, yep, yep. Oh, do you feel really weak? Do you feel really vulnerable? Oh, okay. That's how I want to use you. And Mm. that's what happened with me. I mean, so I submitted a children's book to CPH. I'm like, I'll I'll do children's books. And, um, you know, even with my mom ministry, I was like, I can teach about the Bible. I'm going to be a Bible teacher. And God just kept healing it back. And uh, Laura reached out to me and said, "Uh, I'd love to hear a book about, you know, your anxious thoughts and your struggle with anxiety. Wow. You know, (laughs) okay. That's that's a different direction. And it definitely... (laughs) I think we all yeah, face not that, children's though. literature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think we all face that though, where we think we want to project and go in one direction, and God redirects us back. Uh, no, I want you to be here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Surprise. Uh, we all <laughs> have I mean, that story. We all have that story, though, yeah. and yeah. So much of that is reliance on the un, on, on God's plan and the unknown. I mean, I I like super uncomfortable with unknown, and that is I know that that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that triggers my anxiety is when I don't know what's going to happen and I can't control those control. situations. Oh, I need to have control, man, and I know that's a sinful nature thing. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, having all of this unknown, and I mean that has also taught me how to kind of overcome some of that anxiety because if mm-hmm. I can control parts of a situation, I I control what I can and then learning to let go of the rest of that. But all of that requires a lot of vulnerability. And, mm-hmm. you know, talking about your story of of having CPH approach you to write a book about anxiety. I mean, that's like vulnerability bomb right there. Like I have to, I got to write all of this down and share it with the world. Like <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but what what role does vulnerability play in in all of this with dealing with our own anxiety with trusting in in God's plan for us in connecting with other people? Where does vulnerability play a role in that? I think of David again and just how he he is completely vulnerable and bare to God. You know, we look at his relationship with the Lord and it is it is vulnerable. And and I think that it's through that lens, through that that really deep, intimate relationship that we are then guided to how we interact and interface with our world. I mean, I can't go to my mailman and just start like letting it all out to him of all my struggle. You know, there, there has to be that balance. <laughs> and, and yet I think that that's where God prompts us and pushes us into those those right relationships where uh, where He wants to mold us and mold other people. Mm-hmm. Could we talk for a little bit, Sarah? You mentioned the control word. Yes. About mm. what our how our need to be in control often just leads us into unnecessary work and anxiety when. We can we we know that God has seen us through in the past, but we want to be still want to micromanage the present and the future. 
How does the need to be in control fuel anxiety? So I write in the book about my alter ego, and I think Brie yes. maybe would relate to this, right? Yes. And she's she's Queen P, and she just she wants to not that she would relate to Queen P, Brie, but the, the alter <laughs> ego thing. Like I feel like you could relate to that. This is my face <laughs> of like like I'm savoring this. Don't <laughs> love it. Just, I love it. Is it better no, that I also <laughs> thought of Brie when I read that part in the book? <laughs> <laughs> you know, side note, I also have like an alter ego and I won't say the name, but like it's a really old grumpy individual that gets like mad at the neighbors parking in my spot, you know, or whatever. And <laughs> so that's the other alter ego, like, oh, calm down. <laughs> I'm afraid if I used yes. a name though, there would be a listener and that's like, hey, that's my name. So <laughs> And we all know what the name is. It's fine. I know what it is. You don't even have to say it. We'll just call it the get off my lawn Lindsay character. Yes. Yes. It, it could be in an Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> um, so Queen P and Wannabe is she likes to pretend and posture and protect and perfect and have poise and just project to the world this other image of, of having it all together. And, you know, then there's the hot mess, Lindsay, which I have to keep in check a little bit. We can't, you know, we can't just gush on everybody our messes, right? And now, ladies, I've gotten totally sidetracked because I went on about alter egos and I am forgetting the original <laughs> question. <laughs> Control. Control, that's the word, but that doesn't, that, that doesn't have a P, so that's a little, so mm. with control... I mean, yeah, I think that we not only want to have control, I think where the rub is, though, is that we want everybody to see that we are in control. Mm. Even if our world is swirling out of control, we don't want people to know that we are losing our grip. And, um, and so I think that that's where vulnerability enters in, um, you know, first, we're honest with the Lord and, and, and giving it to him again and again, as many times as it takes. You know, we pray, God, watch over my children. Help me to not want to control them. And then my daughter walks in, you know, wearing stripes and polka dots and whatever on her head and her feet, her shoes are on the wrong feet. And she's like, I'm ready to go to church. Okay, God, help me to not control my children. Help me to release them. To, you know, and it's like returning to him again and again as those compulsions want to enter, uh, giving it back to him. And uh, that tug of war. And then also having those people that we can just be really messy and honest with that are trustworthy. And, and it's, it's, it's a private thing. Yes. I can relate to the, you're wearing that to church. The important sentence, though, is I'm ready for church. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs> So what are some of the things that have been helpful for you in this journey through all of the things that you've that you talked about? Uh, what are some of the helpful things for you to to help overcome some of these anxious moments? I mean, I think Rachel hit on this is knowing that and Brie hit on it too, is is knowing that the world's expectations are always pressing in on us, right? And I think of the image of jars of clay. That as the world's expectations, as everything outside of us is pushing in, 
God gives us that strength from within to push back out. You know, our mm. we are we are these jars of clay, but the the power within us is so much greater than the power that's pressing in on us mm. that we won't be crushed. That as we remember our identity in Jesus, it helps us to face all of this stuff. And and we might be anxious, we might have struggle in all of that, but yet at the same time we can center ourselves on that one thing. Lindsay, I'm wondering, you had mentioned that you do take medication for anxiety, but that what you feel is your more of your focus or calling vocation is helping people think through more from a personal level mm-hmm. how they can manage manage anxiety. I don't know. I guess I'm wondering about how those two things relate. I could I could be in denial, but I, I don't think that anxiety is something that I generally struggle with. It could be that I've just never put my finger on it as as that's actually an issue that I have. But in general, I, I don't think it is. I have, I have different issues. <laughs> but is anxiety something that a whole lot of people have and most of the time it can be managed from the personal, at the personal level, as opposed to seeking additional sort of professional help uh, with it? Or is it something that really ideally you do a combination approach? Most people would benefit from that combination approach. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? I think that this episode is married so well to the previous episode. And I was listening, you know, as Brie was sharing her struggle and her thoughts on therapy and medication. And I was just like, yes, 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 yes. I couldn't agree more with uh, the input that and that conversation. So I would definitely, you know, I'm sure Sarah will link that, uh, point people to that conversation in conjunction with this one. I do think that there is a difference between having an anxiety disorder and having anxious thoughts. There's definitely a distinction that we need to recognize in this conversation. And um, for me, my anxious thoughts interfered with my everyday function and relationships. Um, You know, as a child, like in high school, my anxious thoughts were so severe that I would hide in the bathroom to eat my lunch because I didn't feel comfortable eating in front of other people. So, you know, so it's, it's definitely different. And, and yet I think that it is, it's, it's not just medication and it's not just therapy that has gotten me to the place where I am today. You know, the, the therapy and the medication got me to a place where I could function and be in a, in a good relationship with my spouse, with my kids, but yet there's still that, that spillover. I mean, medication, mm-hmm. yes. Can it help you the, the deficiencies that you have in your brain and, and functioning on a, on a regular level? Yes. But at the same time, there's still so many anxious thoughts that, that I cope with on a daily basis and have had to learn uh, other practices. And I think that that's, that's the place that I'm meeting people is, you know, I am not a professional. And if, if, if you are struggling in the function of your everyday, I can tell you I've been there and I can empathize with you and I can point you to a professional a psychiatrist, a therapist to get the help that you need in those those places and spaces. I come as the place of a friend of saying, you know, we all struggle with that mental tug of war in our head. 
that tug of war that says like, I want to be at peace, but I don't feel at peace. You know, my head is swirling with all of these anxious thoughts and uncertainties right now. And what has been encouraging to me is, is hearing feedback from so many people who have picked up my book because they love me, but maybe don't necessarily uh, identify with anxious Mm. thoughts or that label. And after reading it have said, this has been a blessing to me because I didn't know that these would be categorized as anxious thoughts. Mm. And it's helped me to rethink them and, and bring them to God. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the interaction between, you know, secular professional mental health care and, you know, this more spiritual personal self-care and right relationship with God and how those intersect in our mental health. Maybe we could put it on a, because this is an ongoing conversation for us. This is going to come up again and again and again. Mm -hmm. But I just thought of a metaphor that I think might be interesting to explore. My Lutheran lady friends know, though the rest of you don't, that I was recently, recently had a phone call from my primary care practitioner who said, oh, we got your blood work back and you're anemic. And we should definitely get you on the right combination of supplements to take care of your iron deficiency. Now, I knew I had been feeling meh before this, but I did not realize how much a difference it would make in my Mm -hmm. life to get the chemical side of the problem ironed out. Now, obviously, there's still more work to do. (laughs) There's still more work to do with regard to figuring out why this problem is a problem and fixing the ultimate source of the problem. But simply taking the edge off of that chemical imbalance has given me so much more strength and vitality to deal with the other problems that I've just been blown away. One simple little change in my life taken some iron supplements. It just has changed the game for me. And I think hearing uh, the stories of those people who have been in a really bad place mental health wise Mm -hmm. and have gone on medication to help manage the symptoms, it doesn't fix everything, but boy, Mm -hmm. it gives you it takes the edge off and it makes it makes it so that you can pursue those other long-term healing activities that it's part of the puzzle and not something mm-hmm. to be any more ashamed of than me taking my iron supplements every morning. Right. <laughs> well, and and I think for me personally, and I think in any sort of instance where you are obviously not experience, experiencing some sort of like physical catastrophic event or like mental, like any sort of event that would end you, like it would end you in the hospital. Like basically mm-hmm. if you're in sort of this, this meh, what, what Rachel, you would describe as a meh sort of space. Yeah. And, and it's just weeks after months, after years, after years, after years of being in this space. And you kind of, you just get used to it. You're like, mm-hmm. that's my lot in life. Like, that's what it is. It, it sucks. Like, sorry. Like, that's what it is. But then you are, you, there is a discovery that is made and the doctor has put you on some sort of therapy And you're right. Your eyes open up and you're like, why did I spend so much time in the meh Mm -hmm. when this could have been taken care of so simply and so quickly? And it's you almost feel like regret. Like in my, in my, I'm like, why 
why did I live like this for so long? This is stupid. I wasted yeah. so much of my life feeling this way. What is the now? Of course, in instances where like the medical findings just come about at some point and it's kind of unexpected and like, obviously you really shouldn't be feeling regret on it, but you're absolutely right. Like <laughs> as you're constantly moving along, constantly growing, constantly changing, like you're absolutely right. That, that feeling of, of edge being taken off helps not only in that way, but it opens up other avenues pockets of energy things like that to help you sort of seek other ways to cope mm -hmm. it is one piece of the puzzle but yeah uh, just following from my medical example it's a huge piece of the puzzle and you're right there's that regret of like i could have really had this appointment this conversation a long time ago but i kept putting it off because i mm. thought you know that this was just who i was and how i lived just a little bit tired all the time mm. um mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then but but boy i'm so happy <laughs> now to have, be on a better way a better path mm -hmm. Lindsay, could you tell us just building off this conversation if you feel comfortable opening up what does your mental health care regimen look like right now like what combination of things are really helping you manage you know your social anxiety and and other related maladies i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Good word. It's an old school word. I like it. Yes. <laughs> so for me, uh, I take and I, I will be honest on this this front because I think that it can benefit others. Is I do I take Zoloft, mm -hmm. and then I I actually am not currently seeing a therapist because I don't have the margin currently. But I am a huge advocate of that. And if I were feeling like I was getting off track, I would certainly. Uh, you know, get back to, to finding that. And a part of it is that we moved and mm -hmm. it's so hard to get established with somebody new. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely have, you know, people in my life that are not trained therapists, though that's an important distinction, but that um, can speak into my life uh, when I'm having those anxious thoughts or struggles. Mm. Um, there's an elder in our church who I talk to sometimes. There is, you know, a best friend. So having those different people that play different roles and have different voices in our life is so important. And then for me, you know, I need to exercise. And this isn't like fancy exercise. This is like get outside and walk. I have been, yes. so I have that diast, what is that called where you're? Diastasis recti. I hate that yeah, thing. I have that. <laughs> so I've been trying recently to be doing more exercises for that, but that's not really my mental health. That was just a total sideline. Sorry. <laughs> Whenever you have something like that, okay, diastasis recti is yes. when basically your lower abdominal muscles separate during pregnancy. Yeah. And it takes a while for them to come back together. And while what they're coming the back together, even though all you want to do after you are cleared from giving birth is do like a thousand crunches a day to get your abs back, you can't or you're not supposed to, you'll just make it worse. Yeah. So all you have to do, all you can do is do the exercises that are allowed and wait. And it's so mm -hmm. frustrating. And you're right. If exercise is one of your, you know, mental health therapies to be told that there's an entire class of exercises that is just going to make things worse <laughs> is really and frustrating. All the ones that you do, it's a nightmare scenario. <laughs> Crunches. 
Talk about anxiety. Right. I don't know. Being told I can't do crunches would not necessarily – for me, that would not that. give me sorrow. But you're right. I say that without you say seeing that. the reason why I can't do them, and maybe that would change. But you're Lindsay, right. We did get – <laughs> Back to your mental care regimen. <laughs> we can cut out the whole diastasis recti. Uh, Sorry, I asked. Sorry, I asked. <laughs> so the Psalms, you know, points us again back to you know we see David as a shepherd and out in nature and and you know. And I think that I can't emphasize how much, like when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling depressed, I want to hole up in cave in my house. I don't want to see mm. other humans, you know. And yet I know that one of the very simple, obedient things I need to do is go outside. And um, sometimes my husband will kick me outside, like, get up, get outside, go. You need fresh air, you need that reset. And I think that, I you know. That. Nature got it's God's creation, and it's amazing how therapeutic it can be in getting outside. Uh, so it's simple, but so essential. Mm-hmm. And you keep quoting the Psalms, which I I love. Would you say, as I have come to find out in my own life, that for full mental health, being in the Word of God and prayer is not optional? <laughs> Absolutely, and it's, sometimes it's about obedience. So I like to compare things to food. Um, yes. I like food, you know. So food. And total – so my, when my husband started preaching, he would ask my feedback on his sermons, and I would just compare that to like a dish. Like I'd say, well, that was a steak and potato sermon. That was a bread and butter sermon. You know, all of its sustenance, right? And so with my kids, I've taught them that they need to eat their growing foods. So, you know, and sometimes that is something we look forward to. Like if it's watermelon in season, if it's roasted Brussels sprouts, I don't know about you guys, but that is the bomb for us. And, and so growing food is so essential. And I see reading the word of God in the same way that it, it is our sustenance. And sometimes we're reading the word of God and we're, we're feeling that we have the feelings and emotions and connection that come with that. And sometimes we're reading the word of God and it, it might feel like a disconnect in the moment, but knowing that we're feeding our souls. And, um, you know, I, I think of Psalm 119 where God, where it's, David talks about storing God's word in our heart. And I think as we store God's word in our heart, then when we're in those anxious moments where we're not even opening the word of God, he brings to our mind uh, the words that we have, we have fed, our, that he's fed us um, in reading his word. Mm. So talking about things that you do for your mental health, ways that, uh, that we kind of work through our anxieties, there's one thing I want to get to before we end this episode um, is the permission to fail list. And I think this is probably my favorite part mm. of the book, uh, something that I know I will implement in my own life. I, have, I now have this list written out. So before we, we all kind of go around the virtual room, uh, Lindsay, can you explain what a permission to fail list is? is and why it's like kind of awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So we talk about the outside pressure and expectations, and that can totally become the lens by which we see what we should be doing, right? And yet you guys talked, there was an episode I was listening to where you talked about wanting to have margin, wanting to have margin to hear your son talk about lizards or to teach them how to bake a cake. And, you know, in order to have margin, we need time. And so we can't do and be everything to everybody. 
And so for me, it's uh, sitting with God and saying, okay, God, like, what are my priorities and what are the things that are not for me? And then, and then embracing that and even writing it down and saying, okay, I'm not going to do this and that's okay. Like, God bless it. It's okay. (laughs) So for me, for example, like I don't do DIY. Like other people get excited. Like I could do this myself. I can make my own soap. And I'm like, that's awesome. You make your own soap for me. (laughs) That is fantastic. I live with a DIY person. So that is something that I have had to learn to embrace in my own life because now we've bought a house. And so our house is now our lifelong DIY project. And I'm, I am coming to terms with being okay with just DIYing everything and it's cool and it's fine. And Sarah, I would say more on that, but that would be like a podcast on marriage. I I won't even open that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day we will do that topic. Maybe. <laughs> well, I love this idea. And I think I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm working, I've been scribbling furiously trying to figure out what's on my own list. It'll go next to the list from our stewardship of the mind and the emotions episode mm. yeah. of things that make me feel better, no matter what. And mm-hmm. these are, this will go next to that and be things that I give myself permission not to worry about because mm-hmm. I'm not going to anyway. So I might as well be at peace with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. So we're going to go around our virtual room and be a little vulnerable ourselves. And so this is also a permission. uh, You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to tell all of your dirty secrets because this is a podcast that (laughs) lots of people listen to. So be as honest as you want to be. Uh, But I I prompted our other co-hosts to come up with some of our own permission to fail or permission of things to not worry about lists. And uh, this is a very freeing thing. So I'm going to I'm going to run through my list since we don't have, I don't want this to go on another half hour because how many items are we putting on these lists, Sarah? As many as you would like. Oh, okay. Well, we'll be here a while, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe choose your top three to five if you have Mm. like 20. Okay. (laughs) So um, at the top of my list is I give myself permission to not try to be not awkward. And there in itself is the reason why I'm putting this at the top of my list. <laughs> I am just an awkward person and that is just my life. And for a long time, I I have this anxiety about like, I'm just really awkward around people and I do stupid stuff and I say really awkward things and I'm like not a formal person and I'm really bad at being that person. So I finally have come to terms with the fact that that is just not my personality. I will be formal and I will be professional when I need to be and because I have a professional job and I have to be. <laughs> um, but in the rest of my life around around other people, it's just going to be awkward. And I'm I'm now I'm mostly coming to terms with that. I, I'm bad at reading hard copy books and I'm finally okay with that. Um, I've discovered the world of audiobooks because of doing Lutheran Ladies Lounge Book Club. And so I read your hard copy book, Lindsay, and it was wonderful. But this is this is this doesn't happen that often because I'm just not good at it. And I'm okay with that. My house will not be immaculate. It will be clean, uh, but not immaculate. We're just not, you know, the, the there will be no clutter kind of people. There's gonna be clutter here, and I'm coming to terms with just having some clutter. And along those same lines, I don't vacuum. <laughs> I'm really, really bad at vacuuming, partially because it makes me sick because of all of my allergies and partially because I'm just not good at it. So 
to fix that, we actually bought a robo- robot vacuum and it's like life changing. So my house <laughs> is still clean, people. It's still getting clean. I just don't have to do it. And it's amazing. Okay, last one. And then I'll move on. Being on trend. I'm not a I'm not a trendy person. Makeup, um, clothes styles, hairstyles, anything that is a trendy thing, it's probably not going to be me. And I always look at people who are trendy and I'm like, oh, I love, I love that so much. It's just, it's not me. I shop at Goodwill a lot. And so I'm Mm. always like a year behind the trends anyway, because I get all the stuff that people have already rejected from the last (laughs) trend. (laughs) So it's just, I'm, I'm just okay with not being that trendy person that I see on Instagram and love. Uh, it's just not for me. So those are those are the top of my list. Who's next? I'll go. Um, I feel like I've done a lot of this in my life already. Um, but it, <laughs> I'm glad that it finally is like now codified in some way in a book that I can refer to later. Yes. <laughs> Number one is I give myself permission to fail in meeting others' expectations of how I should dress as a woman of size. I'm not going to wear, you know, the big bold print moo-moos and like <laughs> not have a fashion sense. If if you're a woman of size who does that, cool, cool by me. Do you, homie? But I'm going to wear crop tops sometimes and leggings as pants and like you that's fine. Like I'm going to do that. I'm going to embrace that. Number 2 is I give myself permission to fail at not being so dang political all the time and like (laughs) loving people for who they are as children of god and not who they voted for in the last election wait Um, you give yourself permission so say again what you're giving yourself permission for because i think i know but i got confused it's okay let me slow it down. Okay, I give myself permission to fail at. I know there's so many negatives. Maybe I did it wrong. I'm, yeah, I'm just. I'm that's... not gonna frame it. I'm gonna love people for who they are as children of God and not who they voted for in the Got last it. election. That's permission what I to you not meant. be political. That's really yeah. Good. Sure. Whatever. Mm. Yeah. That's what I said. That's a right. Good one. I don't know. And then yes. I give myself permission to sleep in on Saturdays. Yes. And like not feel like I have to spend my day doing important adult things. <laughs> okay. Done. You're getting getting a big cheer from Lindsay on that one. Yeah. A big cheer from all of us. <laughs> if only my nice. kids would get on the same page, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. I should probably go next. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> my permission to fail list, and it's got more items on it than I will actually share here. But since you mentioned the sleeping in, I am going to just say I give myself permission to not have early mornings be a part of my life. They have been in the past. Yes. Uh And they will be in the future. But right now, I am a homeschool mom with a deployed husband. And there is no reason that we have to get up ever, really. (laughs) And one of my... I used to, when we first started homeschooling, I was, because you, Lindsay, you have young kids. My youngest is seven. My oldest is 16. Like, I have more kids in and through puberty right now than anything else. And those kids, they don't get up for anything. And I just found, I was, I was kicking myself thinking, we need to, we're, we're, we should really probably have everyone up by seven and going on the schoolwork by eight. And now it's like, if we're going by 10, that's a good day. 
And they're still learning and they're still growing. In fact, they're probably growing faster than they would if I was cutting their sleep short every morning. But I've just had to, it, it's it's an immovable boulder. And I've just had to give myself permission to be a failure at getting my kids up in the morning. There is a late service at our church and we are there every week. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what the late service was made for. <laughs> yes. So that's that's one. Another one, you mentioned DIY. I DIY a lot of stuff. But there is one area in which I just can't even, and that is costumes. Oh. Whether it's Halloween or like spirit week at school or dresses your favorite book character or whatever, it's not going to happen. And I feel bad about it because my kids would love to be ornately costumed. I I just got to give myself permission to fail there because it's otherwise I'm just going to worry about it, but it's not going to change anything. You know those cute family portraits that some people put oh. up like three or four times a year on social yeah. media with like, they go with a photographer with their hair all done nice out to a park <laughs> and there's photos of knee high sunflowers and all that. We went without family portraits for about five years, actually. Like we took pictures, just not family portraits. And when we did get them done uh, last year, it was at the JCPenney studio, and they looked like yeah. all those awkward family portraits from Olin Mills <laughs> in the 80s and 90s. Like, that's what we – and <laughs> I still haven't shared them on social media. <laughs> <laughs> but I just give myself permission to fail at having art museum-worthy family portraits of our, <laughs> of our kids. And then the last one that I'll share – It's kind of a weird one, but if there are any mothers out there who are struggling with this too, I give you permission to fail in this regard. Uh, My children, most of the time, will not wear pajamas. They sleep naked? No, 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 no. (laughs) They live their lives in like stretchy pants and t-shirts. And so when we get to the end of the day... They just go to bed in it. They just go to bed Uh in it. I do that. Uh I agree. And Yeah, I... (laughs) And they also, they really, they like their fuzzy blankets. So none of, like, I can put top sheets on their beds and they just kick them off. And yeah, this prevents them using granny's handmade quilts because not going to waste that on that. But (laughs) there was a time in my life when I felt very anxious and like I was doing something wrong because my kids didn't use top sheets or wear pajamas. And now... I just have had to give in and say, you know what? This is not something I need to waste anxiety over, Mm. that it's okay. I can wash blankets as well as I can wash sheets. And the whole not wearing pajamas thing actually cuts the laundry by about a quarter. So (laughs) that's okay. They go to bed in what they woke up in. Mm -hmm. Problem solved. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I hope that doesn't make me sound like too much of a freak. Sarah, your permission to fail list was absolutely adorable. My <laughs> mine, I'm feeling a little more exposed. But That's okay. why this is a thought experiment. That's why this right. is um, embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace, embrace it. Embracing it. Mm-hmm. And we're all different people too. And yeah. we all have different things that that bu- bug us. So, you know, mm-hmm. when we're real about it, you know, all the we other ha- ladies out yeah. there in podcast land won't feel quite so uh, alone in this. We have so. enough to worry about looking presentable when we leave the house. I feel like maybe we can relax a bit when we tuck yourselves into bed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Erin. Erin, you're up. Yes. I don't know. I guess I feel 
at ease with this. So I, to an extent, felt like I needed to think of some things that I didn't have permission to fail at. (laughs) But I'll go with the ones. These are actually long-established pieces in my life. Uh, Yard work. I give myself Ah. permission to fail at yard work. The backyard Mm. is used to just be the dog's domain and it's, I don't ever go there. I don't have a dog now. I still don't go there and I'm happy to have it mowed (laughs) periodically. So it's not anything. The front yard, I determined get rid of the grass so I don't have to mow it. And then twice a year I go out and I pull weeds and that's the extent of my yard work. Hmm. Um, and so, that's amazing. <laughs> yard work to an extent, housework. Periodically, I'm like, <laughs> you are living in squalor. You must do some chores. <laughs> and so then I go through and I, I I whip things into shape. But honestly, and I feel feel guilty sometimes because I'm like, I don't even have the excuse of like. Oh, my kids are what make my house so messy. I'm like, I live alone. I I am the one making this house messy. But it's okay. I'm doing things that I really love and it's okay. <laughs> I give myself permission to stop. I don't I don't finish all the books. If I'm reading oh. a book and I'm like, I do not like this book. I'm not enjoying it. I quit it. I used to feel like an obligation to finish Mm -hmm. a book once I've started it. No, I gave that up a while back and no regrets. Life is too short to waste Hmm. it reading books that are not worthy of my time. I just quit it. I, you know, even if it's, uh, you know, two thirds of the way through, boom, I'm done. Out of Hmm. there. Uh, <laughs> that was the first on-air conversation we ever had, had Sarah. Yes. Life is too short to read bad books. Yeah, yep. yeah. I remember I that, Erin. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so that, and then along the lines of something, it's more of a. This one is more flexible. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to frame it. You guys might be able to help, but basically, particularly in this last year, uh, I firmed this one up that if I am. If I ha- if friends are inviting me out to do something, I do it. And that means I fail at whatever else I might have had planned, but I drop those plans to go do that. I mean, unless, you know, occasionally you can't. But in most cases, I'm like, that sort of thing is going to get priority over whatever else I might have been thinking I would do because – yeah, so I'm not sure exactly how to frame that as what I have permission to fail at, but but that Anti-social. that sort of thing <laughs> makes almost everything else be fail worthy. <laughs> well, permission uh, to back out of plans. Yeah, maybe that's it. Although sometimes it's, when we make plans, we just feel like we got to stick with them no matter what. Yeah. Well, letting people dictate know. your plans rather than your you know list of priorities or your to do. That might be it. Yeah. 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 I like that. That's beautiful. Oh, this is so cool, ladies. I, I'm i glad we did this. Mm. I feel like this has been a catharsis moment for all of us. <laughs> I think all it will be. Us. Right now, I'm yes. still feeling exposed. Stop it. It's a hangover. It's a real thing. It is. Yeah. Thank but you, we Lindsay. Like you, we like your honesty. Yes. <laughs> we like it. Yes. We like all right. It. Uh, we, we need to wrap this up. We It's been so fun, though, Lindsay. Do you have any closing final parting words for us as we wrap up our time together 
We have just had such an amazing conversation that I just feel like I cannot say anything that would be like too serious right now. Feels like if I say something too serious, it just, I don't know, it leaves us on the wrong note. So I just want to mm-hmm. say, I love the ladies of Ladies Lutheran Lounge and I love yes. our honesty and our vulnerable conversation. And I think it really invites people into those same kinds of conversations with their friends, maybe not in a Do lounge, it. but in their family room, in their messy family room. Exactly. Do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Lindsay. This has been really, really, really great. Oh, and of course, your book. Where can we find your book? So my book is on cph.org uh, and also on Amazon. So yeah, check it out. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram or any of those fun places too. I love to uh, connect. Say the name of your book again. It's Take Heart, God's Comfort for Anxious Thoughts. Yes. And what's your Instagram handle? It's at comfort for anxiety. Perfect. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, yes. Ladies, uh, get your hands on Lindsay's book. It is fantastic. And we would love to know your permission to fail lists. Uh, you can share your thoughts with us in our Facebook group. Join us on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge, or I will try to remember to post an Insta story for this as well so we can share all of our thoughts on our Instagram as well. You can find us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app or on our KFUO radio app for iOS or Android. Go download that right now if you don't have it. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm building a time machine, going back to high school days, and I'm making Lindsay Housh sit at my lunch table. (laughs) And I'm Rachel. You could just go into the bathroom and eat lunch with her there. Or that. Yes. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at KFUO.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. I feel that story. I still had problems eating around other people from high school because you were like forced to eat with people. Mm-hmm. And I like, I would not eat sushi in front of those people. No way. No. Not eating Certainly sushi. not in the bathroom. That's a terrible place oh. to eat sushi. Mm. <laughs> not bathroom hygienic. Sushi. I didn't know there was a terrible place to eat sushi. I'm not going to necessarily see that point. <laughs> Ladies, my I have permission to fail eating sushi, not in the bathroom. <laughs> my kids are ready it. to burst through the door. Like I can hear the door rattling. It's about to explode. Reach the boundary. Oh, that's so funny. I would wager that at least half of mine are still either sleeping or at least in bed. <laughs> I mean, it's noon for you. That's that's fair. Saturday yeah. noon. Yeah, right? you Saturday got adolescence. Noon. Uh-huh. That's like minimum sleep time. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to pause for just a second. Someone's knocking at Aaron's door. <laughs> Maybe it's Dwayne. I was like, why it is might she be Dwayne. Is this me? I heard knocking. I was like, what is it? Zach Morris time out. 
Dwayne is a gentleman, by the way, Lindsay, in Aaron's neighborhood who does uh, handiwork around her house on a regular basis. And he has been a frequent guest in yeah. our <laughs> podcast <laughs> recording sessions. He's the neighborhood odd jobs man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to put money on it. That's Dwayne. Ten bucks. <laughs> Who, who was it, Aaron? Was it Dwayne? I'm sorry. It was it was Dwayne and <laughs> You all owe me ten dollars. <laughs> you always he's good he would just persist. Because oh <laughs> he can see my car is home and then he gets worried that maybe I'm not okay and should he be that maybe he needs to check up on me and <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So um Okay. Anyway, sorry Unpause. about that. <laughs> Unpause. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I just muted and I hacked up a little. I thought I muted it. I'm sorry. My bad. That's why we have post-production. Yes.